Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman along with my co-host, Pete Robertson. What's up, man? How are and you? And Barry Rice. I am so excited to be with y'all today. What's up? I, Barry, Barry, we do have is like... a special guest that uh, I think our listeners are going to just be blown away by, blessed by, and I cannot wait uh, to just kind of get into this topic and talk about uh, our topic of the day. But uh, why don't you introduce our special guest, if you don't mind? Hey, what a privilege it is to introduce one of the smartest guys I have ever met. I'm, I mean that. That's so cool. This is a guy that launches rockets. I right. mean, he's, he's, he's a rocket scientist. He, uh, he is amazing. He came to Christ at a late age. And uh, maybe he'll get to say a little bit about that. But he, as soon as he came to know Christ, he wanted to know absolutely everything he possibly could learn uh, about Jesus and uh, about the word. And, and this guy here uh, is my go-to guy when it comes to end times. And uh, I just am so excited to have the guy that we call I.B. Steinemeyer on this show today. He's here with us today, guys. We're so excited. Well, I want to thank you guys for asking me to visit with you because um, I've listened to your broadcast and I've always enjoyed them, everyone that I've heard. And I just... uh, I just feel honored to be here today, and I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm on fire for this, so I'm so happy to be with you. That's awesome. It's, uh, I was thinking, Bob, just I want to be where Barry's at right now. I mean, look at that. I know. And then, and then after I'm done with Barry and relaxing, I'm going where IB's at. I'm going to hang out <laughs> on the moon as well. I mean, this is like, it's taking me into another world right now. My mindset's crazy. Now you're going you're gonna to have to draw a word picture, Pete, for all the people that are just listening and not watching on YouTube. Oh, they got to, you guys got to watch on YouTube. So listen on the podcast, first go. go through that and then check us out on YouTube because the, the, the view right now is pretty cool. It's epic. Yeah, it's really cool. So Barry's sitting at the beach and uh, IB is sitting on the moon. So, I mean, I, you can't beat that. So, guys, before we jump into this uh, kind of a deep subject a little bit, um, how was your weekend? What did you guys do? Anything new and exciting over the, the last week since we've had a, a chance to talk? And, and, you know, before you jump in, I wanted to remind you. So we're recording this on March 2nd. It's Dr. Seuss's uh, birthday. And uh, there's been some controversy about that even today. But can you believe it's March already? It just blows me away. Where is this, where is this year going? But... What did you guys do this weekend? Any good stories? Did wait, you wait, learn into anything? wait, you, you brought up Dr. Zeus. Why don't you read Matt, uh, Dr. Seuss for us? Oh, you mean like one fish, two fish? Red I fish, don't know. I mean, you brought it up. You can't just bring it up and not yeah. read something. Do you have a book there? I read this. Well, I used to. Sammy loved Sammy. My daughter loves this book. So I, I would read this to her all the time. And I just... I love the kind of rhythm it has. You know, you kind of get into it like a, a little rhythm and tone as you're reading it. So I'll just. Did they ban that book? I'm going to read it to you. you ready? No, they, they banned that book. They no, didn't ban that book. No, this book is good. This book okay, this is good. This, book. Is this is wholesome right here. This is good. We don't want any racism on this show. No, absolutely not. <laughs> this is not one of the six that of, of Dr. Seuss's books that they banned today. So we're good. Okay. Now, they may good. ban it tomorrow, but. 
Oh. That's why I said the date, so we're good. They will uh, after I saw him pick up all things that were down. He picked up the cake and the rake and the gown and the milk and the strings and the books and the dish and the fan and the cup and the ship and the fish. And he put them away. Then he said, that is that. And then he was gone with a tip of his hat. Come on, that's good stuff right there. That's like genius level. Right? Is that like the twinkling of an eye? And you know, there's only like, maybe, you know, there's only 150 different words in that book. And then he took a bet that he could do it in less. You know, the, the book Green Eggs and Ham? 50 words. There's only 50 words in the entire book. And he just reuses the same words over again. They did it on a bet. Pretty weird, right? Do you like Green Eggs and Ham, Pete? Uh, I like ham and eggs. I don't know if I've had it great. Oh, I've had it on St. Patty's Day once. Did you? Yeah. It doesn't sound appetizing at all. Yeah, and I think I was in Chicago. I was in Chicago on St. Patty's Day, and they turned the whole thing green, and oh, I had green eggs and ham. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know, Pete, that you were excited about baseball season starting up. We actually Very. had baseball games this weekend, and uh, the Yankees won yesterday. I didn't check to see what they did today, but – uh, it's preseason. It doesn't mean anything, but it's just it's just uh, cool to see the guys out on the field. Well, there's fans there. You still I'm watched I watched a little bit of the NBA just today, and there's no fans. And so really? at least baseball's bringing out fans. Football brought out fans. I mean, when's the NBA going to get the get their act together and bring some fans in? I, don't I guess know. it's outside, right? Football and baseball's outside. Basketball's still inside. What about NHL? Are they allowing fans? Um. Good question. Because I would love to go to a hockey game too. That'd be I fun would too. I would too. It's kind of like I think that'll kind of make it feel like we're getting back to a little bit of normal when we can start going to sporting events. We should go catch a baseball game this spring, though. We should absolutely. Do yeah, we should. That'd be great. All right. Should we talk about today? Yeah. Move on. We should probably get started. Hey, <laughs> Pete. Why don't Why don't you kind of um. Just give a little quick overview from last week because we kind of started a new topic last week. And, yeah. you know, if somebody just happens to be tuning into this one and it, it didn't catch last week, I don't want to kind of surprise them. So why don't you give well, them a little update? And then uh, I want to hear, man, I really want to give IB some time to speak because uh, when he talks on this subject, the, the, you can just sense the passion and uh, the fire as he as he dives into this. So I can't. We want, I want to give him as much time as we can. So, so well, be brief, Pete. Is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, I will. So, so we're going. We're talking about the rapture. We're going to be doing a little. Uh, we're going to be covering the details of what we missed, missed last week. Um, and if you didn't listen to last week, go ahead and just go back. Really get caught up first, and then a lot of what we're going to say today is going to make sense because we're going to expound on. Uh, a lot of things that we touched on last week. And, and, and I'm just, we're grateful to have IB here. And, and, you know, IB, why don't you go ahead and just share kind of your heart and the reason why you love eschatology so much. And, and, and from that, then um, I think get into or lead into the, the pre-trib, post-trib, the different tribulation and explain that to our audience so that they can better grasp or better understand you know, what, what is actually being taught out there, what, what they need to know, not know. Um, but yeah, so go ahead and just share your heart a little bit. And we're just, we'll just sit back and we'll listen and we'll, uh, we'll take it in. If we have a question, we'll try to interrupt you and, and, and ask it, but go for it. Well, it's, um, it's interesting. One of the things that uh, 
really attracted me when I first started um, getting into interested in eschatology was is that uh, as Pastor Barry said, I came uh, I came to become a Christian late in life, and um, Pastor, Pastor Barry was my pastor, my first church I ever attended to, and um, I I was pierced by the word when I started reading the Bible. I, uh, I just became so fascinated. And of course, I started page one, chapter one, verse one in the beginning. And I just started reading and I says, oh, my goodness gracious, I had such a misconception of God's word. I, the, what was in the Bible was what everybody else had told me. So once I had the truth, once I had the, the word in front of me and I started going, I, um, I started going to church. And um, fortunately, my pastor was one who definitely believed in discipleship. And so I became discipled and I started learning more and more and more about God and what his plan was for us and Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And uh, I just couldn't stop. I couldn't get enough. And so um, as, as, as you guys know, I, uh, I left full-time work and went to Liberty University full-time so I could catch up with everybody that had a head start on me. And uh, it was, I was really blessed. I had some great professors. And I, Liberty University, man, we lost about 50, 50 listeners right there, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> or, or we gained 50 listeners. Right? <laughs> we, we I'm sorry. Alma mater. I didn't know that I could talk about that. But um, anyway, so the bottom line came down to when I when uh, I had a trip to Israel and in combination with uh, going to university and working with my professors, I just started taking an interest in um, an end time study and uh, getting into what the prophet said and getting into what Jesus said and getting into what um the apostle Paul would, would talk a great deal about and Peter, and it just started speaking to me and um, the Lord called me to ministry and there you go. So um, I just, I can't put it down. I'm fascinated by it. And I spend a great deal of time in his word so that, um, that I can see this. And the point that I'd like to make about that is, is prophecy. A lot of people stay away from it because um, it, it, it scares them, right? And prophecy uh, was not meant to scare you. Prophecy was meant to prepare you. And the real reason that... Uh, okay. I, yeah. Um, the real reason that I believe that um, it's, a, it's a good thing to know is because uh, I, I think it's important that you be a, uh, a witness, right? Because what's going to happen if you know the way it ends, if you know what's coming, you get a certain calmness and assuredness about yourself and the way that you look at life and what's happening around you. And when this craziness is going on, what happens is, is other people, right, that, that can't quite figure it out, they see you and they say, how comes you seem to have it all together? Why is it that you're calm? And, uh, what it is, is that those of us that, that have that calmness, it's our responsibility to be a witness uh, during these, these times of trials and tribulation and persecution. So we're the ones that will stand fast with the truth. And as Peter said in uh, 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always be prepared to give an answer. And who do you give an answer to? He says, to everyone who asks you, 
And what do they ask you, right? To give reason for the hope that you have. So there is nothing that I think I can see better in these times to be able to give reason for the hope that you have. And of course, they tell us to do it with gentleness and respect, which is easy to do for if somebody's asking you, you go, well, you know, let me show you. And you open up the Bible and they're going like, what's that? And you go, the Bible. And let me show you. Do you want to know what's going to happen next month? You want to know what's going to happen next year? Let me show you, you know, and, and then once they see, then you can, you have a connection and that's it's, really, I think it's going to be good. It's really good too. It's like, um, it's a real easy bridge. And so when you're talking with someone that has anxiety um, or they need comfort or they need peace or they need something and you're, you're talking to them regarding those, those verses and so forth, but then that bridge is, but there's more, you know, there's, there's hope. And, 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 it, and it just, it just, it gets you that excitement. It's like, okay, but this is as a believer, as a follower of Christ, there's more. And that's where we then opens the door for us to be able to share with people the end times and share with people what is next. Um, any other thoughts, guys, with that? Barry? I'd like to hear him kind of uh, jump into what we were talking about last week, uh, about the difference between pre-trib and, and all those other words you use that I don't understand. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of get, you get a 30,000 foot view of, of the different beliefs that are out there. So if you walk into your church and your, you know, your community and they're talking about this, it doesn't surprise you or, you know, just kind of a basic, um, you know, where, where it stands and what it means. I don't know. Can you yeah. do something like that quickly? I be I without... I think too, with that is thinking about it when we, so going back to what I was just saying, if the person can understand that we're coming from a pre-trib position, I think is a much better position than the other positions. Um, but by us, by you going ahead and explaining this and giving the detail, again, it's just, it's another bridge. We're just opening up another door to be able to help people fully understand and grasp the, the con context of what the Bible is actually saying. So yeah, go for it and explain and, and uh, can't wait to listen. That's that's an interesting point you bring up is that uh, in the church today, as we know it, you know, so we go down the street to our local neighborhood church. If we're out of town, we're visiting another church. Uh, we're all Christians, right? I went to a Christian church today. I heard a pastor give a sermon. And sometimes you might hear something that, you know, you've heard, never heard in your church. Or you might hear a pastor say something that you you disagree with. And uh, the important thing is, is first of all, just you know, pay attention and know that the main thing is Christ. So uh, I heard uh, Tony Evans' son, Jonathan Evans, I heard him talking one time and it was kind of background. I was just listening. And all of a sudden I heard him say, if you don't have your Christology in front of your eschatology, then Amen. you're going to have problemology. And I thought that was awesome. I'm going like, it's so important to have Christ first and just to understand that you're all brothers and sisters in this and that we all know who Jesus is and that we know uh, what the importance of that. So then talking about these different, there's, there's three different millennial views. And then there's three different tribulation views. And sometimes people can get the words mixed up. And uh, the first thing I'd like to just, just chat with you guys about and everyone is that on the millennial views, what it is, is what's the millennial, right? It, and, and in general, it's a thousand year reign by Christ here on earth. Now, there's people that disagree with that. 
And that's how you get your different millennial views. Now, what you hear in today's most of our evangelical Bible studying, we take the word literally churches, is known as premillennialism. And what that means is, is that the rapture and the tribulation is going to occur before Christ actually returns and reigns for a thousand years. And that's the view of the premillennialist. Now, the strength of that view is that it's literal in the Bible. I mean, you read the words in Daniel, you read the words in Revelation, you read what Jesus said in John 14, and you take that literally. You do not symbolize it. You don't say it's a metaphor, those type things. Now, the weakness of the view for premillennialist is it's very pessimistic. It's like you're going to go through a lot of trouble before the good stuff starts to happen. And and so some people don't like to, to have that. But you have to remember, the church isn't what's going to bring utopia. That's not the purpose of the church. But a lot of people that have different millennial views put a lot more emphasis on the capability of the church. And really, when we look at it today, the church is really um, supposed to bring forth, right, the gospel, the truth, and to make disciples and to, uh, and to work together towards this common cause. And so sometimes they hang a little more responsibility on the church. And um, one of the things is I struggle sometimes getting my quiet time, let alone trying to bring the kingdom in. So it's like, I think I'm going to leave that to God and Jesus. Um, heaven here on earth, I don't think man can do that, right? So that's one of the things that, that like, if you read in Jeremiah 19, or excuse me, uh, 17, verse 9, uh, that's where Jeremiah tells us about our heart, right? And he says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And it says, who can understand? So how can we, with such hearts, prepare the world for the arrival of Christ? Really, it's very difficult to do that. So the view typically is a consensus of church history. Like, for example, premillennial was the first century Christians. They were all waiting for the return of Christ. They were meeting in each other's homes. They were, they were supporting each other, and they were just waiting for Christ to come back. They just knew, hey, any day now, he'll be back. He'll be back. And so it was really the consensus back then. Um, also, there are some other things. The view premillennial, of, uh, we assume a couple of things, and that is the, the last days of the resurrection of the Jews and their nation. They're going to come back. God's going to focus back on him again. And so we're going to have that type of a posture. Uh, the other thing is it assumes the return of Christ to reign physically on earth. It's not symbolic. He's actually going to be here. He's going to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And, and that's pretty much what premillennialists believe. Now, you have to ask yourself, prior to 1948, how could you believe that, right? That's when, that's when there was Israel. For, for almost 2,000 years, there wasn't Israel. So how could you be sitting around in 1941 and say, well, Jesus is going to come back to Israel? And they're going like, what Israel? There isn't one. So it made it really tough during those times after 100 AD when, uh, you know, it started to be that there was no Israel. It was dispersed. The Jews were sent throughout the world. Um, it became a wasteland. And so it made it really difficult. And so you have to ask yourself, if you're a premillennialist, you have to say, well, 
is there now an Israel for Jesus to return to? And the answer is yes. And is there now forming of nations in Europe for this Antichrist? The answer is yes. Has man gotten worse in every way, every day? And it's like, yeah, we're running down that path. And so this was, uh, this is the view of premillennials. Um, so if you think man with his evil heart can bring the kingdom in, after having no less than two world wars, dropping an atomic bomb, killing six million Jews in ovens. Um, I think we have to think about that a little bit. <laughs> just, right? Just a tad. So that's pre-millennial. Now, what's the other thing? Well, first of all, there's amillennial. And, and, and an amillennial, ah means none. So basically, there is no kingdom. There's no kingdom on earth. They don't believe that that's going to happen. The church is representative of the kingdom. In other words, the church we're in now, hey, you're in the kingdom, right? And, and that's, what, that's what all millennials believe in. And they have to symbolize all scripture. Now, here's a problem with that right there, is that when you see Bible prophecy that has been fulfilled in the Bible, like, for example, all the Old Testament prophets talking about the arrival of the Messiah, and you look at the scriptures, they're very literal. I mean, you look at Isaiah 53, uh, the piercing, he was pierced for our transgressions. Uh, you can just read that and see that that's Christ. You can see that he will arrive on a, not a horse, but a donkey in Zechariah. You can read all these things. And, they, and Daniel predicted the day he would come up the path to the East Gate on the calendar. And, and so you read these things and all millennials will accept that as literal. But as soon as it's prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled yet, they go, oh, they symbolize it. Uh, you know, in Revelation 20, the thousand years, right? That's not a thousand years. That means it's symbolic for perfection. It's like, yeah, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, it's like, right. okay, it's literal for the prophecy that was fulfilled. It's literal for the prophecy yet to be fulfilled. So I think right. that's very important for us to do that. The strength of all millennial, though, is that it's history, right? Back in the Middle Ages, um, the Roman Catholic Church, they were almost like an empire. I mean, they sent explorers to the West. They sent the Crusades to the East. Um, back then, it looked like a military, political, spiritual complex. Uh, Israel was dispersed, as I said. And um, the weakness for this view, though, is, is that you have to change all of your belief system to a symbolic belief system. Everything has to be explained as that doesn't really mean that. And so it's very difficult. It also removes God from history is what it does. Uh, what God said literally through Moses and his prophets about the coming of Christ must now be interpreted symbolically. It's like, really? So it looks to me like it's kind of a wicked system out there. There really is no kingdom of God, because if you look at the church and that's really what the kingdom is, I don't think that's much. 60 million babies slaughtered. Uh, just in the past, you know, since what, 1978, I don't think that's preparing the place for the kingdom. So when I turn on the news, it's just, I, I can't believe it, which brings us to the last, right? And I just wanted to finish this up and then you guys can tell me some thoughts on it. And the post-millennial view is the church is not going to be the kingdom like the all-millennial view is. So they do expect that Christ will come back. But they think that they're going to ready 
the world. They're going to they're going to cause the sin of man to go away. They believe that they're going to clean up the, you know, the world. They're going to get it ready. Mankind's going to become good. We're all going to just just heal ourselves. And uh, the strength is that it's really optimistic. It's an extremely optimistic point of view. It's a very it's more widely held than you think. When you go into churches that are modern day, like uh, you'll, you'll go to a church today, and if they're not talking about revelation or prophecy, you would think that's your church. You would say, yeah, this is exactly what I believe. But that typically, that's where it starts to, to, to fall apart. And where this, this belief came is around the Protestant Refor- Reformation, uh, Martin Luther, and it looked like the church had thrown off the heirs of Rome. In other words, hey, we got rid of all that empire church, right? And we're reformation. And it was an industrial revolution. Science was evolving. Uh, we had westward expansion. America became a country founded under God. Um, a lot of hymns we sing are post-millennial, uh, bringing in the sheaths, right? Um, it's a very political view. And Christians are involved to make this through society. In other words, we ready the kingdom through society. The weakness actually is its strength. And that's is that it's, uh, it's too optimistic. And so the church is going to get established or going to establish the kingdom of God. And um, it also, one of the big down points of post-millennial, this is where you can actually find if your church uh, that you're gathering in is, uh, is a post-millennial church, is they negate God's promises to Israel. They are not going to happen. There, it's known, a, a term is thrown around like replacement theology, and that's where God no longer has a purpose for Israel. We have assumed all of Israel's promises. We're the church, and he's negated them. And of course, that's not true at all, right? And so, those are some of the problems that you'll see in that. But that's the three millennial views. And we're the pre-millennial, pre-meaning that we, the thousand years is going to happen after we get the rapture out of the way and we get the tribulation and the judgment out of the way. So IB, man, first of all, that's a ton of great information. I'm going to have to listen back and just keep hitting pause to, to study. That is, that's amazing. But as we... so. I'm trying to think of, you know, our listeners out there. And I think the four of us are all pre-trib and, and uh, pre-millennial. So if that, if that's the case and, and we're correct on that, can you kind of walk us through what that timeline looks like? And then kind of at the same time, because I think a lot of people are like me and for a long time kind of got the, um, the rapture and uh, Jesus' second coming, kind of got those confused and th- thought they were the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. So maybe as part of your timeline, can you kind of explain what that looks like, given and, and taking a stance? So, you know, take the stance that you believe is most most likely and then just kind of walk through what the timeline is going to look like. OK, well, first, also, also maybe go yeah, through go a little bit of the tribulation, the different tribulations as well. So yes. and then so, I mean, are you is that what you're talking about, Bob? Just yes. Like, yes. Go, oh, OK, cool. Go for it. Ivy. I was going to do a real short snapshot of what it is till the new heaven, new earth, right? The kind of picture. Uh, we're pre-trib and uh, I, I tend, you know, knowing you guys, you are. And um, so what we believe is, is that Christ is definitely going to return. He's going to rule for a thousand years on this earth. We're going to come back with him as the church saints. Um, 
we're going to ascend to heaven first through something called the rapture. Now, this period of dispensation that we're in, there's seven periods of dispensation. We're in the sixth one. And that's another whole topic. But I just want to say this dispensation age that we're in is called the church age. And this is where Christ gave us the church, the Holy Spirit. It's in us, right? And so he gave us a mission. He gave us a task. There's a point for us to be here. And so what's happened is, is that this church age is a definite age. There's another dispensation, one more that comes after this period. And guys, dispensation is really simple. It's just God's history and how he deals with man. So the very first one was the age of innocence, where he had Adam and Eve, right? That's the first dispensation. We're at the church age now, the age of grace. This is amazing stuff because we're in a really super age, I think, because all we have to do is it's so simple is just to accept God's gift. I mean, we have to accept it. We, we accept it earnestly, but we just have to accept it. We don't have to do works. We don't have to, uh, you know, it's like, it's amazing. And then when you understand that, then you know that, guess what? The next one is really a good one for us because Christ is coming back to reign and, and we're coming back with him. And uh, so this, this age that we're in is called the church age. It's going to come to an end. And what's going to happen is, is that between the uh, period that we're in now and the next one, which is the thousand year reign, there's a short little window. It's a seven year window. It's what's called the 70th week. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And what it is, it was predicted in Daniel, and it's going to be the time of God's wrath. And we've all read Revelation and we've heard about the scroll and the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. Well, they're going to take place during that window. So where we are in the timeline, if you start at the cross, we entered the church age and so far it's been 2000 years. But as we look around, Jesus told us before he left, the second largest dissertation he gives, the first one is the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, right? And he talks about, you know, blessed are the, blessed are those, blessed are the, blessed are those. And it's a very good dissertation. He talks about salt and the light. And, and then the next one he gives that's that big is the Olivet Discourse, which is where he's talking about the end times. And so he says at first, watch out for apostasy, watch out for church uh, to, uh, to have false leaders, watch out for wars, rumors of wars, pestilence. And he's telling us, I mean, he's instructing us to look around, right? I mean, you guys looking around? Do you see like good stuff happening? Any pestilence, any famine, any flus, anything happening? I mean, it's going to happen and it's going to occur in frequency and it's going to occur more and more. Okay, so the bottom line is, is this, what happens? He's going to come for his church. That's the rapture. You guys talked about it last week. You went through the terminology. You went through the scriptures that backed it up. It's biblical. A lot of people deny it. A lot of people say, show me in the book where it says rapture. Well, it doesn't. Okay. But it describes the process. Christ is coming back for his church. We are the bride. You guys agree? I mean, we're the bride of Christ. So he's not, he's not going to leave us for wrath. Do any of you guys think we're going to be appointed to the hour of wrath? I wouldn't is, let my bride go through that. Amen. You know, I believe that he's definitely going to rescue his, his wife, the bride uh, and, and, is that what's taking place during the tribulation in heaven, IB? 
is is that when the uh, the marriage supper of the lamb is? Yes, yes, we actually get married. Yeah, we do, we do, and that's awesome because that's described in the book of Revelation. And uh, I guess we'll be talking about that sometime in the future as well. But you are exactly right because it is a marriage, and it's actually if you look at if you go up and look at the Galilean wedding. It's very much like that. What happens is the 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 uh, the husband propose the future husband proposes to the woman, and then the father and son go off to prepare their home, right? And that's exactly what Jesus is doing right now. He's in John fourteen. He says, "I go now. My father's house has many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you." So it's very much like a Galilean wedding. And then what happens? The father says, "The father tells the son, it's ready." Right. The son doesn't even know. So good. Yeah. The father says it's time to go get your bride. Go get your woman. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> it's exactly right. It's and so your night, bro. <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. And that is when Christ comes. And we'll hear the trumpet sound because it's going to be like when when the future husband, right? The groom knocks on the door and says, come. And of course, what the bride never knows when he's coming. So the bride always has to be ready. So that's why Jesus tells us to be watching because he's going to come the, and we're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to have our gown ready. We're supposed to have everything good to go. And so he's going to come and collect us and take us from this time of wrath, take us from this time of judgment. Now, guys, once we go, there's no exact thing. Like it says, we go tomorrow, the wrath starts, but it's going to begin. That's the next period. So the judgments are going to begin. There's uh, seven, you know, trumpets, seven uh, sealed, seven bowls, and all these things are going to happen. The Antichrist is going to come up. Um, and, and there's going to be awakening of Israel through a major war. And so you'll see these things in time. And then at the end of that um, seven years of tribulation and judgment, and, they, and Jesus says in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, he says, we have to cut it short. Otherwise, no one would survive. And see, you have to have someone survive. Number one, he says that we're going to have this. Jesus is going to return and have separation of sheep and goats. He's going to separate the good from the evil, right, when he returns. And so the evil will be cast off. The, the good who survived the seven years are going to populate the earth for the next thousand years. Because when we come back, we're glorified bodies. We don't, we don't make babies anymore. <laughs> we're just kind of coming back. We're church saints. And so you'll still have a population. And so this is going to go for a thousand years. Now, during that time, so that we can have a perfect place to live in, they lock away Satan and the false prophet. They just lock them up. And so they're bound. Now, that's another thing about uh, post-millennial. They think Satan's bound right now. And I look around and I'm going, I don't think Satan's bound. I don't know about you. But if Satan's bound now, I hate to see when he was released because it's pretty bad. Hey, IB, IB, what scripture do they use that, they, that backs that up? Do they have something? Oh, they say that the uh, generation that was, uh, that was seeing all the tribulation was it would all happen before 70 AD. That was the generation. So when you look in the Olivet Discourse and you get down to Matthew 24, let me see, uh, they use a verse in Matthew 24 and it's the fig tree verse, right? And it's the one that says, uh, 
now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and it leaves, as leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, you know it is near, right at the door. And then he says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until these things have happened. So post-millennial people say all these things happened during that first generation of Jesus, right? They say by the time the 70th year came and the, and the temple was destroyed, that was tribulation. That was everything. That was the Caesar Nero was the Antichrist. They believe he was the Antichrist. And yeah, so, heard that. yeah, all that is done. And so we're in that age now that we're preparing for Jesus to arrive. So we're in the millennial. We're in this symbolic millennial now preparing for Jesus to arrive. But it's been. Yeah, which is not true. Not one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good question that you asked, because there is confusion. People take that. But do you know how that's really supposed to be taken? If you just read through the Olivet Discourse and he told you about the coming of plagues, earthquakes, pestilence, disease, wars, he told you about all that. Then he says, truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. So he's saying the stuff he just described to you until that stuff happens, you won't. And it hasn't happened yet, right? Not to the level that Jesus describes it. It's going to be worse. Guys, think about that for a minute. In Matthew 24, it tells you it's going to be worse than the days of Noah. Now, come on. We're talking about a handful of people being rescued and the rest of the world being slaughtered, right? Just judged. And it's over. So Jesus is saying it's going to be worse than that. Jesus says that nothing has been this bad since the beginning of time. Now, I don't think knocking down a temple and chasing a bunch of Jews out of Israel is going to be so terrible. I don't think it's so terrible at all, as a matter of fact. So this is what he's talking about. All this he described in, in Matthew 24 is that this generation, and that brings me to another point, guys, is that this is the generation. We're seeing it. Israel is now existing again. Everything that you needed to come true has come true. And now we're seeing times of persecution. Now we're seeing times of, of plague. We're seeing earthquakes increase. We're seeing all this. There's a convergence of these things. These things always happened, but now there's a convergence and they've all happened. So that's why we should be watching. Yeah, I mean, in a, and it's talking from, you know, just how we know, like we talked about it, I think two weeks ago, talking about, you know, the apostate mindset, um, just all the chaos, the evil that's taking place right now in the world. But again, just understanding Satan's tactics is, is his whole purpose is to destroy your life and is to bring calamity. It's to bring destruction, um, whatever he can do to, to, you know, create you as a, you know, depressed, you know, angry, you know, person or just someone that's just completely losing it. I mean, if he can get people to commit suicide or do something, I mean, that's his goal. And so um, the reality is if you start really paying attention and looking what's happening in the world today, you're seeing that depression, you're seeing that anxiety, you're seeing marriages that are just hanging on, you're seeing, you know, just absolute destruction. And so, you know, a good God is, is his heart's breaking and he sees that. And his desire is to is to restore and to bring hope. But at the same time, 
you know, he's a just God. And uh, there's going to come a time when he's and the father's going to say, all right, son, I've had enough. You know, it's time to it's time to clean house. It's time to do that. And so there's probably a lot of listeners on our on our, you know, listening to our show today. And they, you know, they heard what you said, IB, and they they, you know, you've the knowledge that you had. And like Bob said, they're going to you know, I pray that they go back and re-listen to this and just really try to digest this in. But you know, reach out to us and, and, and ask us questions. And IB will get those questions to you if they do. And um, just to be able to connect and we're going to have IB back on uh, the show again, multiple times here in the, in the future. Um, but the, the reality is, is there's a lot of people out there that they see this chaos. This is the reason why we're even doing this. There, there's a lot of uneasiness that's happening. And, and with this past election and just with a lot of things that, that have gone on, people are asking the question, is God coming back soon? Right. And, and, and is there hope? Is there something more in this world? Is there something more um, to this? And, and we just talked about it. You know, we're, God's preparing a place for us. There's a mansion. We're going to play football. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be, we're going to eat lots and lots of food. You know, there's, there's really cool things that are going to yeah, be glorified by. <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, that's just something that uh, I think people just just as they I pray that they stay with us through this journey. But that's what we're given. That's the message. So we're not trying to scare people. We're not trying to say, oh, my gosh, it's the end of the world. We're telling you the reality is that it is the end of the world. Yes, it is. It is falling apart. Yes. But but there's hope and that God can and bring that hope. And. And Barry, I don't, would you be okay with maybe talking to those people real quick? And then once you're done with that, then we'll just do a recap and, and IB can kind of just uh, give us some last thoughts and then we can do that. Is that good? I'd love to. And I really appreciate the opportunity to do that uh, every time we have a podcast. And, and really we do it just because of one person, you know, and it could be you today. And if you are struggling in fear at what is going to happen in your future, I I'm, I'm really want you to know that you don't have to fear because God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be his bride and he wants to take care of you. And, and you may have the question, how can that happen? How can, how can I be assured that I'm not going to go to, through the tribulation and, and I'm not going to be wiped off the earth and, and forgotten about? God wants you to be his son or daughter. He wants you to be his bride. He wants a relationship with you. And he went to the extent of sending his son to die in your place so that that relationship could happen. And so, first of all, we got to admit that we're a sinner. And what does that mean? It means that I, I have offended God because I've lived uh, for me. And I have not obeyed the law of God and, and I don't measure up it. I, as a pastor, I don't measure up. You don't measure up. None of us measure up. We don't meet, we don't hit the mark of God's standard of holiness to be able to get into heaven. And that's why Jesus Christ came. God demonstrated his own love in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Yes. And so by believing that Jesus is the son of God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one that God sent as a provision to ransom us from the wrath of God, from the penalty of our sin, that Jesus absorbed that on the cross. 
and he paid it in full. Hallelujah, he paid it in full. And he tells us that the last thing we must do, not only believe in him, but we, we must receive him as Lord and confess him as our Lord and invite him to come live in our life. Have you done that, my friend? If you have done that, you have no reason to fear because God's coming for you. And he's going to take care of you. And, and he's excited to, to bring you into heaven with him where he has prepared a place for you. But if you, if you do not know for sure, why would you take the chance? Why, why would you have a hope so face when, when you can have a no so faith? Don't, don't risk it. Invite Christ into your life today, my friend, please. If, if you're ready to do that, would you just simply pray these words? Dear God, I come to you and I realize you created me, you love me, and you want a relationship with me and I stand in the way because I'm a sinner and, and I have chosen to live my life for me and not for you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have offended you. Please forgive me. And I believe that you sent your best, your son, Jesus, into the world to die for sin. I believe he was, he died, he was nailed on a cross and he died and he was buried and he rose again the third day. I believe he's alive and I believe that he defeated death, sin, Satan, the grave and hell on my behalf. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and life and no man comes to the father, I take that and I believe it. And so I'm not going to trust in my performance. I'm going to put my trust in what Jesus accomplished on my behalf. And because you are who you say you are, and because you did what you said you did, I open up my life to you, dear Jesus, and I invite you to come in and to save me, to sit on the throne of my life right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're so excited for you. Pete, tell them what they need to do next. Yeah, so if you guys did give your life to the Lord or you, you rededicated your life, you can log on to our, our website at riotpodcast.co.co. And at the top, it has a button in the menu bar. It says, no God. Go ahead and click that and then just drop down to the bottom and uh, it will give you an opportunity to, to select that you did give your life to the Lord. Uh, fill out that information. We would love to connect with you and send you a Bible and some information. And uh, so people can just, uh, you know, we can, we'll, we'll find you a church. We'll, we'll connect with you in that way. Um, awesome, um, Barry. You know, um, real quick, IBLS, we got about 10, 10 minutes left. And, and I was just thinking, we talked about this new bodies and, and, uh, and that we're going to be getting. And and I just, I thought of this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 for 43. It said, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And, and I thought about that for a little bit. And, and basically it's the contrast between our present bodies and our future resurrected bodies. Our present bodies have weakness, but our resurrected bodies are going to have great power. Exactly. And, and, and our new bodies is like the Lord's and to be characterized in his body. So you talked about that a little bit. What is this new that the Bible is talking about? I mean, we have I mean, there's a lot of us that that might be in pain right now. We might be waking up and, and it might hurt a little bit. Right. Or we're suffering in our bodies. And, I, and this is kind of a 
this is a big perk, right? This is one of those, uh, those perks. I mean, we have, you know, the, the other side of it is they're going to be in hell for all eternity. And we don't want to get into that now. We'll get into that in the future. But let's stay on the positive. What's, tell us about this. What is this new body? Yeah, this new body, we get it when uh, we get raptured. And um, the one thing that I just wanted to share was, is that when you hear uh, the term pre-trib and mid-trib and post-trib, all that means is that you're saying either you're going to go when, like when, when right. tribulation happens and the wrath begins, are you saying you're going to go in the middle? That's mid-trib. If you're going to say it, you go at the end, that's post-trib. And if you say you go like, I think we're going to go in the middle, that's or the beginning. That's when that's when you're pre-trib and we're going to be raptured. And what that means is, is that actually, if we die in Christ right now, this very minute if we die in Christ spiritually, we're in heaven. Right. Our body remains. It decays. It breaks down. It does all that. But what's going to happen in the rapture is, is that just like Christ was resurrected, you have to look at Christ for this picture and that he was dead and he was buried and he was resurrected. Okay. So they brought back his body when, when they were in the upper room, when Jesus walked through a wall and doubting Thomas was there saying, I won't believe it until I can stick my finger in the hole. And it's like, there we go. <laughs> so you saw that it was him. It was actually him. And, but you saw that he could walk through a wall. He could appear 500 miles away in a second. He could, he ate, he could consume food with his disciples. So he had this wonderful body and this is the first that has risen. We were all going to be like that. And for those that were um, incinerated, uh, that were uh, caught up in a, a shark attack and were completely mutilated, it doesn't matter. God is going to find every one of your atoms and he's going to reassemble them and he's going to raise them first. So the dead in Christ will be risen first. And that's very important because Old Testament believers, they're later. Okay, it's only those in the church age that have passed with Christ are the ones that are going to be first resurrected in the rapture. And then we who are in Christ follow right behind. And so when we get there, we're going to get this new glorified body that we're going to have all this wonderful power. And believe it or not, that body is going to be the one we're down here for a thousand years with. So we're going to be able to walk through walls. We're going to be able to show injuries that we took because of the persecution that we took for Christ. It's, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. And the Bible also said there's no more sickness. There's no more, you know, health issues. None of that. That's all taken about. So we're, we no longer have to worry about a bad back or, or cancer or any of that aspect. Hey, you talked about one of the things you talked about too, is we, we have about maybe five or six more minutes. Um, is what about after the rapture? Okay, so let's just say it happened. What's let's talk about that? So what is oh. what's going to be what's going to be going on here on Earth? I mean, let's just let's just let's speculate a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. What you the guys heck is going to happen? You guys can have fun with this because I, I I hear how you guys go on this stuff, and I'm telling you. <laughs> What you're looking at is, is that you're looking, see, one of the things the church I don't believe is prepared for today is for a large scale supernatural event. 
right? Those of us in Christ, we deal with God every single day. We see him heal our family members. We see him provide for us when we're without. We have these interactions, very personal, very large for us individually. But we haven't seen anything like raising your son from the dead. We haven't seen uh, an ocean split and allow your people to cross on dry land. And then when your enemy who's pursuing you comes through, the ocean closes on them. And you're just going, whoa, what do you think that must have been like? I mean, Cecil B. DeMille tried to do that, right, in the Ten Commandments. But imagine giving him IMAX and then allowing him to just watch this, because this is going to be huge. You Think about there's eight to nine billion people on the planet when this happens, and it could be as many as a billion disappearing like that. What do you think that's going to happen? Everybody's going to know somebody that left. Yeah. I think that um, I was just talking, it's going to be aliens that's going to take us. Right. So that's what, that's, what's going to happen in the world. I mean, they're talking about aliens a lot now, right? I mean, you're hearing it a lot in the news. I mean, they're releasing new things. So, I mean, is this like Satan's way of like trying to prep it ahead of time? Because there are, we didn't talk about this, but there are going to be people saved after the rapture. Yeah, and tribulation so saints. maybe this is all set up to make them think that that's not going to happen. I don't know. What's your guys' thoughts? Anybody? Don't go quiet here. Hey, hey, guys, one of the things we got to really also say is that when you take Christians out, you're taking something else out, right? Yep. When that when that miracle happens, a billion people leave, what leaves with them? It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And that is what is holding back. Uh, it's the light that's that's pushing out the darkness, right? And when the when that light leaves and darkness is able to f- fly, I believe that's that's when the tribulation really begins. It makes so much sense to be pre-trib because because of that one point that yes. that uh, that the light that's in Christians are going to be removed. And that's going to be all chaos in this world and, and lawlessness and, and, and just Satan and his demons have the reign for seven years. Yeah. Second Thessalonians seven, eight says that he who now restrains will do until he is taken out of the way. And so that's, that is, you know, the Holy spirit. But I also believe that it's not going to be the same level of Holy Spirit after the rapture, but I think the Holy Spirit will still be there because people will still give their life to the Lord. Yeah. And again, the Holy Spirit's responsibility is to bring all things Jesus. Uh, IB, your thoughts on that? Yeah, pre-tribbers uh, think that the Holy Spirit was like at the, at the day of Pentecost when, when Christ left so that the advocate could come. This was a unique. Ver- the Holy Spirit's always been existing, right? Forever. Right. And so this was a unique a role for the Holy Spirit to have that personal relationship. And so uh, what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to be more like he was before Christ. In other words, David dealt with the Holy Spirit, King David. And, and so these, these people that will be left behind, not to say left behind, but they are. And, right. and some of them will then turn, right? They said, man, I wish I would have listened to everything that Barry said. I wish I would have listened to everything that Bob said, you know, and then they're going to be those and they're going to, they're going to be the ones that's going to pay the price because I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to be in Christ now and go to heaven than to be in Christ then and go to heaven. You will be Amen. martyred. IB, when yes. we were doing our show prep, you, you shared uh, something that you do that I, I think the listeners would be just 
fascinated by as we were. You shared something called your rescue kit and you know, uh, talking about the rapture. Can you can you share that real quick? Yeah, I have a um, I have a Bible that I've gone ahead and pre-marked up and tabbed. And so what it is is it's going to be in plain sight. I leave it I leave it on the coffee table and um, it's out because when we evacuate, when we're gone, we're going to go in a second. We're not going to like to have any chance to clean up, prepare anything else. Your food's going to be sitting on the kitchen table. Make sure that you have a Bible marked with the truth in it, the things that somebody that flips it open is going to need to know right away, like where you guys went. <laughs> it's like they're gone. Where did they really go? It's in here. It tells them and it tells them what they need to do. So you have this ready for them. And like this recording we're doing right now, I'll have that on a USB and it'll be laying there with this Bible. And when I disappear, when somebody comes into my house to take my stuff and they will come to take my stuff. And when they do, they're going to take this. And I just hope it's my last chance, that last time I got to evangelize and share what Jesus can do for him. And that's, uh, that's awesome. Thanks, Bob, for bringing that up because that's, that's awesome. important. Bob, why don't you go ahead and close us up? Yeah, guys, man, what a, just a, an incredible show. IB, thank you for joining us. I can't wait to have you on the show again. Uh, it's just, and it's just a blessing to hear your, your wealth of knowledge on this subject. And it just, it just blows me away. And I, I can't wait to go back and listen to it and just kind of dig deeper and dig into the verses that you just throw out my memory. It, it was just, it's just a blessing. So thank you for doing that. But guys, man, we are just so appreciative that uh, you took time to listen to this podcast. I ask that uh, like I do every week to, you know, go to our social media sites, go to Facebook, go to, you know, go to Twitter, go to YouTube and Instagram, and you can just find it, The Riot Podcast and all those places. I think Instagram is The Riot-Podcast. But, uh, you know, like, share, you know the routine, like, share with others. Um, it, you know, every week we get more people and more comments uh, on social media, but it's just, uh, we do this um, for one, for an audience of one. We honestly, we do it for Jesus, but we want this, this platform to just be used as, as, uh, as far and wide as possible. And uh, again, not for our glory, but only for his. So if you can help us with that by sharing it and liking it and, and downloading the podcast. So please do that. And uh, man, we can't wait till next week. We'll continue our journey here. And uh, Mr. IB, man, what a pleasure. Any last words before we say goodbye? I, I enjoy being, every chance I get to be with you guys, uh, being with men of God, um, you guys are a real, real blessing to me. And thank you so much. Amen. Well, we love you guys. We thank you for listening and uh, take care. We'll see you next week. See you guys. I'll see be you. back. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.